Well, today we will go ahead and begin to look at a much debated subject. Uh, there is in our day and age, and has been for a very long time now, and I should say um, in this day and age of Christianity, um, there's been a perception that one can say a simple prayer at a given time in their life, a prayer that someone might call prayer of faith, and all that prayer does is simply states that they believe in the Lord, that they believe in what Jesus has done in coming to the earth and dying on the cross for the sin of the world, being buried, rising from the dead, and ascending back into heaven. Uh, the gospel message is often um, portrayed to people in that manner. Just, it's just as simple as just say this prayer and that's it. And this is going to guarantee you that you are saved at that very moment and for every moment in the future, for all eternity, no matter what sin you might commit in your life or no matter how you go on to live from that very day that you pray that prayer. You see, within this doctrine, this person can then go on, like I said, and, and live however they want. And it'll never affect their salvation, no matter how much they may continue to willfully sin throughout their lifetime. Nothing will affect their salvation because that prayer of faith made them eternally secure. So many people look at this as once saved, always saved, uh, eternal security. It goes by various names, and, there, and I say there's much debate about it because people will come up with um, different solutions for it, trying to say that, yeah, a person is always saved the minute they say that prayer of faith, no matter what they do. But um, I recently spoke with a young man that was talking about someone that he knew and how this person, he said, was definitely saved, but was not currently walking with the Lord. So, as if that can be different. You know, you can be not walking with the Lord and still be saved. That would be part of that eternal security. Once saved, always saved. So, is this way of thinking scripturally correct? That's the big question. Is this what the Bible teaches? Is this what Jesus taught? And is this what his apostles taught, right? And this is what I'm setting out to talk about here in this teaching. And you may have already figured it out by the way I'm talking, but I am not of that bent, right? Truth be told, I would love it if I could just make myself believe that that were true, right? Because then I would never have to even give temptation a second thought in life, right? And in addition to that, I could cease praying for the salvation of all the other people that I know that are living in willful sin, but claiming to be in Christ. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? And when Jesus said that, it's obvious that he's saying, you can't be calling him Lord, Lord. He's not your Lord, right? Can you be saved 
and not have Jesus as Lord of your life, Lord over your life, keeping His commands. And in this teaching, I'm going to be putting an emphasis on what it means to be in Christ, right? That will indeed be a primary focus of this topical teaching that I will embark on today. Um, And just a warning here, we will be going over a whole bunch of scripture verses today. So saddle up. Uh, If you're watching a recorded version of this um, teaching or you're listening to it on audio, it's going to be a long one. So um, if you're not in a position where you want to sit for a whole hour here and listen to this teaching, you may want to break it up and come back to it. But I'd really like you, I'd really like to encourage you to consider what we're talking about today from a scriptural standpoint. I know many of you have grown up with this doctrine ingrained in you. So therefore, you know, you believe that, well, it it must be scripturally true. Um, But I really encourage you and exhort you again to study this on your own, to not just look at the scriptures I'm looking at today, but put this in your mind, put this in your heart and read the scriptures and, and ask yourself, do you see that a person is eternally secure no matter how they are living their life? Now, I'd like to start out here by having you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Um, And of course, if you're driving or you're in a position where you can't follow along, that's perfectly fine. Um, Let's just make sure that in all that I will say in this teaching, that we give the most earnest attention to that which is written in the Word of God. Okay, And as I do... The majority of the time, I will be teaching today using the King James Version. I'm sorry, the New King James Version of the Bible. But if you have a different version, that will work just fine as well. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and start reading here in verse 1 of John chapter 15. Jesus speaking says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So such an important fact right here. You and I, if we are disciples of Jesus, must abide in Him. That word abide means to remain in Him. We must remain in Him. And I'll probably mention this later on in the teaching, right? But if it's possible that, well, if it's impossible that you can't remain in the Lord... Right? Why, why would the Lord even mention that here? Why would the Lord even mention that you must remain in Him if it's possible that you cannot remain in Him? Another, I'm not sure if I'm articulating that properly or not, but if you, can, if you can't ever be out of the Lord, 
If it's impossible for you to ever be out of the Lord, why does he tell us that we must remain, that we must abide? Just something to think about as we go along here. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide or remain in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. And that's what we're really talking about, isn't it? Who is truly a disciple of Jesus? Are you truly a disciple of Jesus? And so far in this teaching of Jesus here, we see three different roles portrayed, right? Jesus is the vine. The father is the vine dresser. And the disciple of Jesus is the branch. And hopefully you have in your head here a picture of a vine, like a grapevine with the branches that shoot off of the vine, right? So that you can get a picture here of what Jesus is teaching us. And of course, off of those branches come the fruit. The branch produces the fruit. Back in verse 3 there, Jesus sets the scene with his disciples that they have been made clean by the words which he has spoken to them. That's how we're made clean in the first place. We're in Christ. We've been made clean by His Word. Old things have passed away. The way we used to live, the decisions we used to make, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and break away for a little bit here from this particular teaching of Jesus and have you Look with me at a teaching from an apostle of Jesus, the Apostle Paul. And we'll go ahead and turn now to the epistle of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So in Ephesians chapter 5, we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 1. And like I warned you, we're going to be covering a whole lot of Scripture verses today. But that's important that we do when we address a topic like this or when we address anything about the kingdom of God, living in Christ. It's important that we remain in the Scriptures, right? Ephesians 5, uh, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So what we see the Apostle Paul teaching about here is being an imitator of God, walking in love, and giving all of our lives, all of our lives, every aspect of our lives, this is what the disciple of Jesus does, giving our lives in service of God. 
as Christ gave his life in service to the will of God, right? But now, starting in verse 3, we're going to see what the opposite of serving God looks like. The person that's not serving the Lord, the person that's not in divine, right? But all but fornication and all uncleanness, right? Remember, we've been washed clean by the word of God. Jesus said, you've been made clean by the words I've spoken to you. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So not only, of course, should we not be walking in all of these things that Paul is bringing up here, but these things shouldn't even be named among us. Right? The type of behavior, this type of behavior would be unfitting or or not fitting for the saints. The Lord wants us to be sanctified. Right? And I will bring that up again in just a little while here, right? But verse 4 continues, neither filthiness nor foolishness, or excuse me, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know. In other words, Paul is saying here, this is a fact. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So in the present tense, right? No fornicator, right? No unclean person, no covetous man, no idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you, verse 6, with empty words. And there's a lot of empty words amongst Christianity today. In other words, words that aren't backed up by Scripture. They're a doctrine, a philosophical way of looking at something, saying, oh, you know, well, what I get out of the Bible, when I paint this whole picture, what I get out of the Bible is this. And usually that falls on the side of of, I can continue in sin and I'm saved. But let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Disobedience, not obeying the Lord. We're going to mention that a few times in this teaching, right? Not keeping the commands of the Lord. Being washed by the word of God and then saying, this is the way I'm now walking. And how do we do it? Only by being in Christ. Only by being in the vine, by His Spirit operating within us, then we produce the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? We can't fulfill the lust of the flesh and say, we're in, we're in the Lord. We're in the Spirit. We can't do that, right? But he goes, therefore, verse 7, do not be partakers with them. So again, in verse 3 there, Paul says that it's not even fitting that these things be named among us as disciples of Jesus. And here again, In verse 7, he reiterates that again by saying, do not be partakers with them. Right? Do not do what they do, but also do not fellowship with those that do the things that Paul is talking about here in these verses. Don't even let it be named among you. 
maybe you used to do them, right? But now you are in Christ and you are a disciple and you don't do those things no more. Look at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So do you see in verse 8 there that there is a past tense and a present tense, right? Paul says, you were once darkness. In other words, at one time in your life, you used to walk in that way. But then he goes on to say, but now... Right. In other words, it's different now. You don't walk in that way anymore or the person in the spirit. Right. The disciple of Jesus, the born again person. But now instead, by the fruit of the spirit, your life now produces what? Goodness, like it says there. Righteousness and truth. Walking in truth, doing what is good and righteous. Okay, walking in the light, not in the darkness of the sin of your past. And how is all of this made possible? Well, it's made possible only when we remain in Christ, when we abide in the vine. We remain in the vine. The fruit grows from the vine. And it is the fruit of the Spirit, like Paul mentions there in verse 9. You now, as someone that is in the vine, are spending your life in a manner that is pleasing to God. As verse 10 says there, you are now finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You've come to Christ. His Word washes you clean. And you want to live your life now plugged into the vine, producing fruit, and you want to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And it's written in the pages of the Bible what is acceptable to the Lord and what is unacceptable to the Lord. Right? We, we, we are to stay away from sin. And verse 11 continues and says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You see, this is what a lot of church fellowships are falling victim to today. Rather than exposing the sin that is sitting in the chairs, that is sitting in the pews of the church, churches are instead allowing these people that are committing this sin, living in this sin, to just fellowship amongst them, right? Now, of course, we want people to come in and to be taught in the Lord, discipled in the Lord, right? But if this is a person that is refusing to walk in the Spirit, refusing to remain in the vine, as we're seeing here, and is not producing fruit, then something needs to be addressed at some point in time. And it needs to be done in a manner manner that saves their soul keeps their soul from destruction. You see, what if that person that you as a pastor, as a leader in a church, or just 
you know, letting, to, letting them just hang around and letting them think, well, they're saved. When their life is not producing any fruit, when their life is not lining up, they're not in the vine, they're, they're going to be cast out if they're not in the vine. Because if they're in the vine, they're producing fruit. If they're in the vine, then their life is displaying that they're in the vine. Okay, we'll talk about that more as we go on, right? But sin has become acceptable due to a doctrine that makes people believe that they're saved no matter what they do. So sin is acceptable. That which one should be ashamed of has now become acceptable. Look at verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. What kind of stuff do people do in secret? Good deeds? right? Deeds of righteousness? No, they, they do pornography in secret. Sex outside of marriage in secret. And I'm sure the list can go on and on and on and on and on. It's a shame. It's a shame we shouldn't even be named amongst these people. We shouldn't be those people ourselves. We, and, and we shouldn't have fellowship with those people. But verse 13 says, but all things that are exposed, right? Like we talked about earlier, we should be exposing these things. They're made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So what is the will of the Lord? Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's the will of the Lord, that you would be filled with the Spirit, right? And we need to redeem the time. See, the word dissipation there in verse 18 speaks of descending down, right? Or showing a lack of morals, morals, right? Which is uh, what drunkenness will lead somebody to do. When someone gets a little buzzed on wine, a little buzzed on beer, a little buzzed on alcohol, everything starts to decline. Dissipation, it's called. Your morals start to go down, right? If you're ever around a person that is drinking alcohol, you'll see that the more that they drink, the less morals that they have, the looser they are. The things that they're willing to talk about become increasingly disrespectful. And uh, we're going to get back to John chapter 15 here in just a little while. But the disciple of Jesus is to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Filled with the Spirit. Which, again, how does that come? That's a result of abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. 
right? That is remaining in the vine. Here, I have to plug my computer in. Excuse me. Right, so we must abide in, we must remain in the vine, okay? And the person that does that, again, I'm just going to keep reiterating this, is the person that's producing fruit. Their morals are not descending. They're dying to themselves. They're not going out and becoming drunk, getting buzzed and doing all that kind of stuff, right? But instead, they're producing the fruit of the Spirit goodness and righteousness, right? But let's read some more here before we go back to John chapter 15. Let's read some more here in uh, Ephesians verse 19, right? Ephesians 5, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, I know this goes against the grain of the romanticized philosophy that much of Christianity has today regarding the character of God. Right? They've many of our worship songs today have made it all about this mushy, romanticized relationship, right, that we have with God, right? But that word fear there in verse 21 means exactly that. It means fear. It means dread. It means terror, right? It's what we see when we read Hebrews 12, 29, where it says that our God is a consuming fire. You know what? Let's go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 12 um, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And before I point out um, verse 29, which I just brought up to you, I want to go ahead and actually just start reading in verse 1. Um, like I said, we're going to cover a lot of scriptures today. But I hope that you'll let what the Word of God actually says sink into your heart today. Let it challenge you. Let it cut through deep to your heart because that's what the Word of God does, right? It, it cuts. It goes within us, right? It, it goes deep within us to cleanse us, to make us new, to cause us to be born again, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. So uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So if, you, if we would have read Hebrews chapter 11, which maybe you have, uh, we would have seen that we just come out of chapter 11 and the discussion of all the people of faith that have gone before us, what their lives looked like, what they did that showed they were people of faith, right? And they were the great cloud of witnesses whose lives testified of truly being followers of Christ. And verse 1 continues here and says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us 
run with endurance the race that is set before us. So what do we see here that a person of faith does? Well, they, they lay aside sin. It's no longer a snare to them. They don't get caught up in it. Instead, what they do is they run, not just any kind of running, not just like a, a short little, hey, getaway type thing. No, but it's an endurance running, right? The Greek word for endurance there is the word hupamone, hupamone, right? And this means to be patient, steadfast, to be constant. That's what that word endurance means there. Patient, steadfast, constant. This is the true disciple. This is the true believer, the true follower of the Lord. Right? They are those that stay the course. And referring back to John uh, 15, right? they are those that abide in, that is, they remain in the vine all the way till the end. They have to endure. They have to stay plugged into the vine. And the way that you know that they are in the Lord, again, is by that fruit that is produced in their life. And as a result of their consistency, their endurance, their steadfastness, right? Them having that type of lifestyle in which they've laid aside their sin, they're producing that fruit. What else is the believer to be doing? Looking unto Jesus, verse 2. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, he's our example of endurance. We must keep striving against sin, and we're going to talk about that. We must keep fighting against it in our churches. Well, first of all, in our own heart, right? In our own lives. Make sure where we are, that we're in the faith. Examine ourselves, as the Apostle Paul says, to see if we're in the faith. Verse 3, for consider him, again, our example, Jesus, who endured such hostilities from, hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So do you see that there's to be a fight? You see what these scriptures are pointing out here? Jesus, our Lord, stayed the course. He stayed the course to conquer sin and death for us. He was without sin himself, but he was tempted in all ways like as we are. And he fought all the way till the death against sin, even death on the cross, a horrible way to die. And we are to make every effort to strive against sin in our lives. Can't just say, oh, I give in to it. Yeah, I gave in to sin, but hey, I'm saved. I'll see you at church on Sunday. I'll be back next week. I'll tell you some other sin I got into this week, but I'll be back next week and I'll be accepted amongst you. Right? Verse 5. 
And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you want to research this on your own, this is referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 um, there, right? Where it says, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him, right? So this is, right, true to the context of what we're reading here. That is that we should be obediently following the commands of the Lord, right? In a very reverent manner, we should be following the commands of the Lord. God is chastening us by his spirit today to keep us in line. His word is plain and clear that holiness is his requirement for us. And the only, only way that anyone can attain to holiness is by remaining in the vine, being in Jesus, and having a life that produces fruit. Again, when we get this doctrine that just says, ah, oh, don't worry about your sin, don't worry about that, you're saved. You know, let, let's just try to work on it. You know, let's just try to get through this, right? Well, that's copping out of what God really has for us. Again, the only way we do it is by, is by being in the vine, in Christ. We must remain in Him. Then we are His disciples, indeed, when we remain in Him. That's, it's so important that this be taught that we need to remain in Christ, abide in Him, because apart from Him, what can we do? Nothing. We can do nothing. No goodness, no righteousness, but goodness and righteousness, holiness, is, is a requirement. So we've got to do it. So how do we do it? We stay plugged into Jesus. We stay plugged into the vine. But we've got to stop teaching this made-up doctrine that allows people to continue in sin and think they're saved. Okay, a lot of what I'm teaching right now may be speaking directly to pastors or people in leadership in a church. Question it. Look at the scriptures. Have you been teaching that type of a doctrine? Are you letting sin remain in the pews? Because they pay the bills? Because they pay your salary? I mean, why? Why are you doing it? Why are you letting it remain there? And if you in your own heart are a fornicator, covetous, adulterer, right? You're living a life that shows you're not producing the fruit that the vine produces through the branches. Question yourself. Examine yourself. If you endure chastening, verse 7 says, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father 
of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit that we may be partakers of holiness. In other words, there's a greater benefit to this than, than what just earthly fathers do. It's a greater benefit. It's an eternal benefit. Right? Because without holiness, no one will see God. That's eternity where we're going to see God. Without holiness, no one sees Him. So there's a greater benefit to this here. Right? God wants us to be partakers of holiness today. If you are continuing in sin time after time and you feel no chastisement for it, it is because as uh, verse 8 says there, you are not a son of God. You're not a child of God if you feel no chastisement for it, if you just keep remaining in sin. But that's your choice, right? If sin is more important to you than holiness, if your sin is more important to you than righteousness, then you are deciding not to be a son of God. You're not in the vine. You're not producing fruit of righteousness, goodness. You're not producing that fruit. That's your choice, right? And when someone does this, again, the reason why they're, make, they're committing this sin is because they're not abiding. They're not remaining in the vine. And that's where the power comes, to, comes from. To live a holy life is from the, vine, from the vine, right? And this is the life that is pleasing to God, as we'll, we'll see when we jump back to uh, John chapter 15. But let's read some more here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. You see, maybe even what I'm saying right now, the things that I'm pointing out in the scripture, isn't pleasant to you. You might hate me. You might, well, you might not really hate me, but you might want to look for ways to, to say, oh, no, well, he's this, well, he's that, well, he's making this up, or, you know, that's his, his philosophy. Well, I'm trying to take you directly to the scriptures, I'm trying to point it out to you directly from the word of God, what God requires, what are a disciple of Jesus is. Now, no chastening, verse 11 again, seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Fruit of righteousness. There we see that again, right? Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed, pursue peace with all people and, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Can you believe that? I mean, and that's, I mean, I'm not just talking about Esau here, but people just for one moment of pleasure, getting their eyes to behold something for some pleasurable moment or two. 
or 20 minutes, whatever it is, right? They'll, they'll give up their birthright. They'll, they'll take themselves out of the vine. They'll walk away from righteousness and holiness just for that. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So I just chunked a bunch of verses together there. But what's being said here in keeping with the context of the whole chapter is, well, verse 11, we see fruit being produced, right? It is the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness. And we also see there in verse 11 that there is training that needs to take place. We're not talking about trying to do something. We're talking about training to do something. Right? If there's, let's say there's a half marathon scheduled here in the city of Phoenix, say for December 12th, 2022, there's a half marathon, right? I don't want to wait till a week in advance and say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try and run that race. I'm going to go ahead and try and run that half marathon. That's not the way you do it, right? I'd want to start training now to be prepared for December 12th, 2022. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27 that he disciplines his body and brings it into subjection, lest, he said, when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is what the life of faith is, folks, right? It's a life of diligence, a life of discipline, a life of striving against sin, Staying the course. How do we do it? By abiding in the vine. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Keeping His commandments so that we won't be disqualified. And we won't be illegitimate. Like verse 12 indicates here, right? It's time to stand up straight and tall. And be strong in the faith. Setting aside sin because holiness is the requirement to see the Lord, as verse 14 emphasizes. And as we also see in these verses, you can become defiled and fall short of the grace of God, which, by the way, the grace of God, according to Titus 2, 11 and 12, the grace of God actually teaches a person to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So if that's what the grace of God teaches, well, then you fall short when you don't live soberly, righteously, denying worldly lust. right? In this present age, you're falling short of the grace of God. It doesn't teach us to remain a fornicator and give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And, oh, right, then when you get to heaven, you'll be righteous. It doesn't teach us that. It's saying now, in this present day and age, this is what the Word teaches. Righteousness, holiness, they're a requirement now. But if you, but if you say, it's impossible 
And that's what people like to say, right? It's impossible. Everybody sins. You're going to sin. Everybody sins. It's impossible. Well, you're right. It is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And the way that God has made it to be possible for us is to remain in, to abide in the vine, being obedient to the word of the Lord. This is the requirement. We need to be obedient to the Lord. We need to remain plugged in to the vine. And the Father, the vine dresser, He prunes us. Yeah, little things pop up in our lives. Right? Little things we might stumble upon. Little mistakes we might make. And God's just pruning us. Ah, 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 don't do that. No, 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 don't do that. But what about the... What about the person, though, that's willfully sinning? This is the person that's not in the vine. They might be in the church. They might be in the pews. They might be in the chairs. They might say they believe in Jesus, but their life is not producing a fruit of righteousness, holiness, right? Yeah, it takes the vine dresser to snip us, to clean us up around the edges. Oh, we, we stumbled here, we stumbled there, but there's a difference between stumbling and willful sin, practicing sin. See, Jesus is going to say to people someday that stand before him and say, I did this in your name, I did that in your name. And people can list all kinds of things today. I went to church in your name, I went to a worship concert in your name, I sang worship songs that are in your name. And he says, depart from me, you who what? You who practice lawlessness. It's about making a practice of lawlessness. That you're not going to be with the Lord for all eternity if you make a practice of all of lawlessness because he's going to say, depart from me. So that's what we're talking about, making a practice out of lawlessness. Right? And a lot of people, and I've met pastors who don't want to deal with this topic. They want to keep the people in the pews and in the chairs. They don't want to confront them. So they, they fight this subject. They fight this subject and just say, oh, everybody's sin. You can't say you don't sin. Again, let's take the Word of God in its context. What Jesus is saying, what the apostles are saying, let's take it in its context. Right? The people that practice lawlessness will here depart from me. They make a habit out of it. They're constantly doing it. They're not giving it up. They're not stopping. They've been confronted by it. They know it's wrong. They keep doing it. They keep doing it over and over and over again. They're not producing any fruit. They're not plugged into the vine. What do they do? Repent. You're alive. You're still here today. Repent. Repent today. Stop. Turn from it. Stay plugged into the vine. Die to yourself. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Remember, again, yeah, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Yeah, it's impossible, right? But the requirement is that we must produce good fruit. Doesn't change, right? That is the requirement. We see clearly in verse 16 and 17 that are prof that here in, in Hebrews, right, that a profane, fornicating, sin-loving person 
is not going to receive the inheritance. It's plain as day, isn't it? You're not going to receive the inheritance. And what is the inheritance of the disciple of Jesus, the child of God? It is receiving eternal life. Let's read on verse 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. So we can turn away. It's possible to turn away. You see, keep in mind, remember that the book of Hebrews starts out in chapter 1 by telling us that God is not speaking anymore like we read about Him doing in the Old Testament through the prophets and such. But we're now under a new covenant and God has spoken to us in one final way and that is by His Son. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So we cannot turn away from what Jesus has spoken. And what Jesus spoke was carried on, of course, by His disciples who wrote it down. And today, it is still being taught. And we cannot turn away from the truth that we see in the Word of God, right? And think that we can walk in sin and still inherit eternal life. This is a false doctrine. It's not found in the context of the New Testament, right? It's, it's not, Jesus didn't teach it, like I mentioned earlier, nor did any of his disciples. Nor should any disciple of Jesus today teach it. Again, it's time to stand up straight and tall. Be strong in the faith. The faith that teaches you to strive against sin. To lay aside sin. Let's read out this chapter, speaking of the Lord. God, right? Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things 
that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. You see, folks, just a quick summary here of those verses. The earth, as we now know it, will be no more. The heavens that we now see, the sky above, right, the earth that we now walk on, all of this will be destroyed. And only what is good and pure and righteous and holy will remain. These things are the unshakable things, things that are good and pure and holy and righteous, right? Verse 28, Therefore, since, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, right? Again, what kingdom is that? It is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? It's what you'll find when you are in the vine. You will produce fruit and the fruit of righteousness, that is, will be produced, right? So let us, verse 28 continues, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. There it is again, godly fear, dread, terror. We need to have grace. Let, let that grace teach us to live in a manner that is acceptable to God. That's what grace does. It teaches you to live in that manner. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire, as verse 29 says. Okay? Okay, now let's go ahead and jump back into John chapter 15. And since we've spent a little bit of time away from this chapter here, and since we can never get enough of the Word of God, right? Let's just go ahead and start reading at verse 1 again. So John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide or remain in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them up and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Anyone. That's a person it's talking about there. Right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Wow, now let's pay attention to what Jesus says there in verse 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will Abide in my love, right? Are you in the love 
of Jesus today? Are you loving Jesus by keeping His commandments? Does your love for Jesus show that you keep His commandments? Or are you continuing in sin and professing a belief in Jesus? I have a teaching called Faith Like Demons that you can find on our YouTube page or our website. But the demons believe and tremble. They know who Jesus is. They believe that he died on the cross. They believe that he was buried. They believe that on the third day he rose again. They know it for fact. They believe that he ascended into heaven. They believe that he's coming again. They believe that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who was and is and is to come. The demons believe that. Are they saved? You need to abide in his love and you need to keep his commandments as a result of abiding in his love. Look again at verse 6 here. Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Does that sound like unconditional salvation? Unconditional salvation? God's love for you is unconditional. But salvation is not. We see clearly in all these verses we've studied thus far that we must keep the word. We must keep the commandments of the Lord. 1 John 5.3 says that the, that the love God is, to love God is to keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Burdensome, He says. Not grievous. They're not such a strain on your life that you can't do it. Because when you're plugged into the vine, it's possible. And He causes you to do it. But do you have that kind of love for the Lord? Or again, like I said, do you love the lust of your flesh more? Do you love the lust of your eye more, right? Whatever you love is going to get your attention. It's going to get your time. It's going to get your devotion. Now I'm going to close in about 10 minutes or so here, but I really want to take just a little bit more time to show you some more scriptures here today. So I want you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 11. Now I'm going to do my best to keep this as short as possible as I really could spend a whole lot of time talking here in Romans chapter 11. But... I'd like you to look down at Romans chapter 11 with me. I want to start reading uh, down in verse 13. He says, For I speak to you Gentiles. Romans 11, 13. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. So, as you may or may not know, 
Paul was handpicked directly by Jesus after Jesus had already ascended back into heaven. You can find that story in the book of Acts chapter 9. And in verse 15 of Acts 9, Jesus said this of Paul. He said that he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So Paul had a calling to be focused on the Gentiles. That is any person that is not of the tribe of Israel, the tribes of Israel, right? Here in Romans 11, Paul is at this point in the chapter addressing Gentiles. That's what we see here. So I'm setting the context for you. He's addressing Gentiles that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Very important that we understand this. Paul, being a Jew himself, had a burden on his heart to see his fellow Israelites come to the faith in Jesus. And, of course, a remnant of them were, but the majority of them were not. And Paul is pointing out that in his ministry, yes, the Jews rejected him, and he then became focused on taking the gospel to the Gentiles, which the Lord told him he would do in the first place. But we'll see here that he was still hopeful that more of the Jews, more of his own countrymen would come to the faith. He was hopeful of that. Now, I'm not going to expound on these verses in their entirety because I really want to stay on the topic here for today. But he continues addressing them here in verse 15. He says, for if they're being cast away, so he's talking to the Gentiles and the Jews aren't believing, the majority of the Jews aren't believing, He says, for if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, just keep this in mind. Well said, Paul's saying. But keep this in mind. Because of unbelief, They were broken off. And you stand by faith. So they were broken off because of unbelief. And the only reason a person stands in Christ is by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. There's that word fear again, right? Terror, dread. Paul is now warning these Gentile believers that they too can be broken off if they don't stand in the faith. Jesus used the story of a vine and and branches. And Paul is using a story here of a tree and branches. And here's something real important that I want to point out to you today. In the story of the vine and and the branches, and also here in the story of the tree and the branches, right? A branch cannot be cut off of the vine or a tree if it never really was a branch in the vine or the tree in the first place, right? So for all those people that say, well, you can't lose your salvation. 
But if a person who had once said they believed in Jesus and once were a part of the church and they walked away, well, then we just have to say they were never really saved in the first place. Well, remember, we're talking about a vine here that's cut off and cast away. So it was, in the, it was plugged in to the branch. It was a branch, I mean, excuse me, was plugged into the vine. And the branch is cut off and discarded. It's lost. So we can't say, well, they were never really saved. Right? Again, Jesus nor Paul didn't teach that. They clearly taught that you can be cut off. Jesus said, if you don't produce fruit, the Father takes you away. And Paul here in verse 21 says, and if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you, goodness, if, look at that, if, but toward you, goodness, if, you continue in His goodness. Otherwise, you, Gentile believer, you who profess faith in Jesus Christ, you will be cut off if you do not continue in goodness. Can it be any clearer than that? Those who fell, severity came upon them. That word severity in the Greek is the word well, I'm going to try to say it today. Apotamia. I'll try to say it. Apotamia. But it means, you can look it up, and it means cut off abruptly. No time wasted. No time wasted on that person. But also notice there in verse 22 that for the person that continues in the goodness of God, there will be goodness for you, but otherwise you will be cut off. So look, we'll close here for today. And I encourage you to study these scriptures that we've covered today for yourself all over again. The, expert, the exhortation is for us to continue in the faith, producing fruit, producing goodness, abiding in the vine by abiding in the commandments of the Lord, washed clean by the word, striving against sin. These are the things we've talked about today. Don't let sin be named among you. Choose righteousness and holiness and walk on that path. I know that many of you have been taught a eternal security type doctrine, once saved, always saved. But is that doctrine what the Bible teaches? That is, does the biblical doctrine of grace allow a person to continue in sin and act as if they're still in the branch, still in the vine, not going to be cast out, not going to be discarded, not going to hear, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice Lawlessness? You can't make a practice of lawlessness, folks. I can't find that teaching anywhere in the Bible. Again, Jesus didn't teach it. Paul didn't teach it. 
nor do we have any writings from any other follower of Jesus that teaches that you can continue in sin and still be considered a part of the body of Christ. Take it to the scriptures. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. See what the scriptures say. This is such an important topic because souls, souls will be lost. And I really exhort you to examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. You can repent. You're still here. You're still listening to a message like this. You're still listening to a preacher who's teaching the Word of God. You can repent. His mercy is new today. Repent. Because if you were to die today and you die in your sin, you will be cast off. You will be burned. You will be eternally separated from God. Because you, why? Because you weren't in Christ. That's why. Because apart from Him, we can do nothing. But through Christ, we can do all things which strengthens us. We can be plugged into the vine from where we get that source of life, eternal life that springs up within us, that produces fruit in our lives. The time, the days are evil. The time is drawing near. Time's flying by. The day's coming when we're going to be with the Lord. Either He's coming again or our life is over. This vapor of a life like James talks about that just appears for a short period of time and then vanishes away. It's going to be over this present life that we now have. And there's no more important topic than your soul and the souls of people around us. What shall a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Jesus said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So nothing of greater value than your soul. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the life that you give to your disciples. Eternal life. Life everlasting. Never perish. Lord, we long for that day when we can be with you for all eternity. But I pray for the souls that are lost, those that have never acknowledged you and those that have professed faith in you but have walked in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the ways of the world, never being pruned because they've been cut off, Lord. Today is a day that they can repent, Lord that anyone can come unto you today, Lord, and find rest for their soul. Lord, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love and your guidance by your spirit through this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless. Thank you for watching. Uh, If you have any questions or if we can pray for you, you can find us 
at our website, which is on the screen here, www.aloveoutreach.com. You can click on the contact form and contact us. Um, and uh, we'd love to pray for you or help you out spiritually in any way that we can. But thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. God bless.